Valentine's Day. Love. Love. Your worth should never be wrapped up in how someone else loves you. Our worth is found in Jesus. Amen. Uh, what is healthy love? Secular students were asked this question. They were sent out a, a list of questions. One of them uh, was, what do you think the main teaching of Jesus was? And they said, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Or love. But love is unselfish. I think we could categorize sin as selfishness. We deal, you know, we have God on one side and we have the enemy on the other, but right there in the middle is you and I and our flesh and our desires. And sin, I think, uh, the lust of the flesh, what do I want for myself or for my own pleasure? What do I desire? What do I want? Lust of the eyes, what do I see that isn't mine that I want? And then the pride of life, what I want everyone else to think about me, or what I, ever, what, what I want to portray to everybody else, that, that pride, we step on other people to get to a place, and I think people, when they do that, they realize they get there, and what is there? You know, there's nothing. We look for man's accolades, man's pleasure, but what is true love, and when I do a, when I counsel uh, folks that are about to get married, or I do a wedding, I go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So I want to break this down for you briefly. I'm not going to read the chapter and then break it down. I'm just going to break it down because love suffers long. In other words, love doesn't get mad quickly. Love is kind. Love treats everyone nice, not just certain people. I guess you would underline everyone. You know how we have our favorites? My kids think I have favorites. Um, the grandkids haven't asked that question yet, but my wife will say uh, to our grandkids, you're my favorite eight-year-old. You're my favorite five-year-old because none of them are the same age and it's safe. And as they grow, we change the number, right? Love does not envy. It's not jealous or worried about how much others love us. Love doesn't parade itself. We don't make a big show so everyone can see. Can you see, this is the spiritual kind of love, but can you see the opposite of the world and how they try to show it off? And um, Love does not behave rudely. We don't try to show others up. We don't try to make, a, make them look, look bad. Love is selfish. Love doesn't fly off the handle easily. Love doesn't think evil. Love doesn't rejoice seeing sinful things. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. It doesn't mean it's gullible, but we receive the truth. Love hopes all things. And love endures all things. Sometimes... Uh, with all the trappings of Valentine's, and I bought five of those for uh, the ladies in my life. My, my wife, three daughter-in-laws that are here, and uh, one granddaughter that's here. So try to cover all my bases. Um, very important to do that, by the way. But more than just buying something, we need to show true love, amen? 
Man, though, will let us down. Some of the mistakes I've made in my life were, the worst mistakes I've made in my life were when I've hurt people that are close to me. The people that we love the most can hurt us the most. Some of you might have a child that has hurt you or a spouse or a former spouse, but God never lets us down. I want to go through a few of those. This is all introduction, by the way, if you haven't followed up on that. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John 3.16, the most quoted verse in the Bible, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loved us so much that he gave everything he had. Genesis 1.27 says, you and I were created in the image of God. And I want to go to Genesis this morning and Genesis chapter 2, and I want to look at uh, how God created man and woman and brought them together in a, in a way of love that we, we need to uh, fully understand. Genesis 2.7 says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God planted, uh, had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. Verse 15, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but not the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of that, you will surely die. Verse 18, then the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals, all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them and whatever The man called each living creature was its name, so that the man named all the livestock, the birds of the air, and the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So God gave Adam a job before he had Eve. For you and I, God has a purpose for your life and mind that is sort of that, that's a purpose God has for us. Now, let me just say this. We tend to get this Hollywood image. Uh, there was a movie, I can't recall the name of the movie, but Tom Cruise is in it, and he's dating this girl, and, and I can't remember which one said it, but they said to the other one, you complete me. To the, uh, you know. And sometimes we feel like our relationships are what complete us. But here, God said they, he didn't find a helper for Adam. In other words, he didn't say, Adam, you're not complete until I give you Eve. He said, you need a helper. You need someone to come alongside. He didn't, uh, you know, he took a rib from Adam. He didn't take a piece of the head or a piece of the leg or the foot. He took a rib, which means someone to come alongside and be a helper. Uh, 
If I believe if uh, Eve would have been the helper before he named all the animals, you wouldn't have all these uh, strange animals. You have a skink. Does anybody know what a skink is? It's, a, <laughs> it's disgusting. A skink is one of these, they're blue, as silvery looking lizards. They're just, they just, yeah, they're nasty. And you wouldn't have a skunk. Skink and a skunk, right? I, they probably have some other elaborate name like stinky or, you know. Uh, you have the, he has metal arc and then he has bluebird. Or you get hippopotamus or, you know, all these strange names. I think man named uh, all the tools we have in our garage, monkey wrench and uh, needle nose pliers, crowbar. You know, man had to name that. But God said, out of all these, there's no suitable, suitable helper. Let me bring some along someone alongside of him. Uh, ladies, if you think marrying a man is going to make them better, no, you're just going to make him more of what he is. Sometimes we think, oh, you know, he's lazy, but if I marry him, I'm going to change that. But he said he'd make a helper. So, if the man's lazy before you marry him, he might be a little lazier. If he's poor, he's going to be poor. If he's rich, he might be richer. You know, we, but we tend to think we're going to change the other person, but God wants us to work on us. God wants us. In, in my own life, and I shared this uh, last week or the week before, I was in my senior year of college and I was looking for my, I'd started my senior year and, you know, you get near the end of your college life or, you know, you're in the middle and you think, oh, I need, I need someone in my life. And so I was just, every girl I dated was, I was like the board's doing, I was vetting them, you know, just seeing, are they the right one? And, and if I liked them, I'd ask them out again. If they didn't like me, they would say no, you know, uh, but I finally got to the point where I said, God, I give up. I give up. And a month later, God allowed my wife to say yes to a date I asked. But I had said, okay, God, it, it's me and you. I just want to go after you. I didn't. In other words, I put up my hand and said, God, I want what you have for me. Not just what I think man needs, thinks I need or what I think I need. Lord, I desire all of you. And that's when God brought my wife into my life. But God wants us to seek His purpose. God wants us to go after Him with everything. He is the one that, and, and when we get married, we surrender everything to our spouse. We love them dearly and you know, we don't want to hurt them. But that love first should be toward God. That, that heart for God should be all, you know, once he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. But in our, in our world today, in our society and around the world, people are looking for love in others instead of in him. Because once we're complete in him, we're fulfilled. We're, we're at peace. And then God brings uh, what we need in our life. Let me just say this. The, um, 
the desire, people go and chase and go after things, but it's never fulfilled. Think about some of the songs that uh, we grew up that mention love. Uh, there was a lady by the name of Tina Turner. Some of you might know that. She sang a song, and I preached this when I was a youth pastor, so that tells you how old that is. What's love got to do with it? What a horrible song. What a horrible song. Um, let me, there's a couple more here that, uh, I think Willie Nelson sang this one, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. That is some country artist, not sure who that was. Uh, some of you might remember Elvis did this song, I Can't Help Falling in Love. Uh, when a Man Loves a Woman, or Dolly Parton saying, I Will Always Love You. I think um, uh, another artist sang it as well, made it very popular. But those are all just, that's the world's vision of what true love is. But I mentioned earlier in 1 Corinthians 13 all that true love is. It's, true love is kind, it's loving, it's not wanting something for ourselves. it's giving it all. When I think of love, I also think of the church. In Revelation chapter 2 verse 4, God wrote to the church at Ephesus and said, you have forsaken your first love. Many times in, in our world and in our life, we, we pursue many different things, but we should pursue, we should go after God with all we are. And the church was warned here, you have left your first love. You have walked away from what true love is. So how do we break this change and, and go back to our first love? Many, many of us here might say, well, I haven't. I haven't. But let's take a look at our priorities and what's really important in our life. And it's not church attendance. It's not a sermon say, oh, if I love God, I'll go to church more. If I love God, I will do this more. This, it's, it's a passion and a heart for God, just like Marie was sharing about those kids. They wanted everything God had for them. For you and I, as we go after God, have we given Him access to all of our life? Have we given Him everything? So how do we do that? Man is looking for fulfillment in life that can only be found in a healthy relationship with God. We can't look at other people to make us what He desires. God make us, will make us complete. Pursue God as your first love. I mentioned already, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek Him first. Seek Him with all we are. We, we run after so many things. People are chasing after money. They're chasing after relationships. They're chasing after some whatever it is. But go after God with all you are and He will make you complete. He will fulfill every desire of your heart. He will give you peace in your soul. Number two, return to your first love. When you're off track, get your priorities straight. Get things back in line. 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 says, You have heard it said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends a rain on the just and the unjust. Verse 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brother only, what do you do more than the others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father and perfect. In other words, saying we, we have to love. Now, what does that love look like? We, we tend to put our own, well, I've got to go up and hug everybody's neck and pretend like nothing's wrong, right? What did he do for us? He gave it all because he loved us. The Bible says, speak the truth in love. How do we do that? How do we speak the truth in love? How do we share truth? When we know somebody's out of line, how do we share that in love? Do we, we shouldn't get it in their face and scream at them. Have you ever been there where somebody's done wrong? I've been there and I've, I've, done, I've been on both sides of this. Um, I used to coach baseball and sometimes the umpires weren't correct. And you have to bring correction, right? <laughs> I went up to an umpire one time, and he had made a horrible call. And I was all—I—I I co- I, uh, umpired little league baseball, so I knew what the other side felt like and how you try to do your best. And I walked up to the guy. I said, "My team is really upset because you blew this call." And I'm saying this real loud, but I said, "But you know, just do your best." Just try your best to, you know, you can't make this, you can't change this call. I'm not asking you to do it, but just do your best. And I'm here, you know, I'm only going to yell so everybody thinks I'm yelling at you for something bad. But you know what? Just do your best. That's all I ask you to do. And we got a few good calls afterwards because he's used to people cussing and screaming and yelling at him. But but sometimes I didn't always feel that nice. And we do that. We'll lash out on, on others and we'll, we'll not show them the love God wants us. But God wants us to return and love those around us. Loving those that have hurt us is probably the most difficult. Someone that has hurt you, it's tough to look them in the face and say, I forgive you. I love you. That. Why? We want vengeance. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And I said, Lord, hurry up because I want more. (laughs) Hurry up. I'm not seeing this happen. John 15 verse 9 says, As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. We find true joy. And joy is not some elation where we jump around we're smiling all the time. But joy is that inner peace that, ah, 
that God gives us when we, are know, we know we're in the right, we know we're in the place God has us, we know we've done, we've done what God's asked us to do. So how do we restore this love? Get our love back in order. He said, abide in my love. Stand, abide means to stand, remain, persist, linger. Abide in my love. Stay there in that place of his love. Keep my commandments. Woo. I, was, I was good with abide, Lord, but mm, keeping all the commandments, I don't know about that. Keep my commandments. Obey, observe, respect. Don't break. Those are all keeping His commandments. And then our joy will be full. That gladness, delight, a lack of sadness. If we abide in Him, He will make our joy full. Last Sunday night, I was preaching on the parable of the sower planting the seed, those that were here. And we uh, talked about how the seed fell on the, the hard path that didn't get any ground. Then there was seed that uh, fell on soil, but underneath was some bedrock. So that plant, the, when we planted the Word, it grew up really fast, but there was no foundation. There was no depth because the roots couldn't go any deeper than the bedrock underneath. And as I was preparing this message, I thought, Many of you have been hurt by love. Many of you have been hurt by others that should have loved you properly and they did not love you properly. And that hurt is there. We have some topsoil that looks great. That's what everybody sees. But underneath is this bedrock of pain and hurt. So as, our, as the seed of the Word is planted, it grows, but it doesn't go deep. It doesn't go deep. That pain, that wound continues to sort of, we, we try to cover it, but it's still there. It's just deep underneath. It keeps us from being, to going any deeper with God. It keeps us from growing any stronger. We seem to be going through the wilderness over and over again, like the children of Israel for 40 years, because we have not dealt with that. And Pastor talked, Pastor Davis talked about that root of bitterness. Uh, it's been almost a year ago probably. But that's there. That bedrock is underneath there and it keeps us from going any deeper. But God wants to get that out of us. How do we get that bitterness out of us? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away with you with all malice, be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Okay, here's the, here's the kicker. Forgiving one another, even as God has forgiven you. So freedom from those hurts. One of the first things we need to do is remember what God has done for us. He has forgiven us. You know the story in the Bible where Jesus told them, uh, they said, how many times should we forgive? And he said, 70 times seven. You know, uh, you know it takes God in your life 
to get that kind of forgiveness. To get to that place. Because the flesh says, no way. No way. But forgive. So I remember, where would I be without God in my life? He forgave me when I didn't deserve forgiving. He has forgiven us for our sin because of Him, not because of me. So now I have to appropriate that in my life and forgive others. It doesn't mean you're not hurt, wounded, been done wrong. It just says, Lord, I'm not going to let what they've done to me keep me any further from growing deeper in You. Some have held this resentment for years. I know folks that that, that is their whole life. If you ever get down, if, as you uh, speak with them, as you develop relationships with them, the immediately or, or as you get close to them, they'll start revealing all this pain and hurt that's in their life. God wants to remove this obstacle out of our soil so we might be free in Him. We need to restore that first love. Lord, I want You with everything. And God, if there's anything underneath the surface that I haven't dealt with, God... I'm going to give it to you. I don't have some quick formula for you, some five-step process to get free. I have Jesus. The song we sang, speak the name of Jesus. He can set us free. He can give us forgiveness. He can give, put, us, put our hearts in a place where we surrender it all to Him. 